Thank you, my sister Kendi. I just said to Kendi as we were coming up, I would like to take her home with me and put her in a cupboard. And then when I need a bit of a boost, just open the cupboard and she comes out fighting. <laughs> I think we need a bit of Kendi every day, don't we? Well, we can't have Kendi every day unless you live with Kendi. So we'll, uh, we'll have the word of God instead, which is where Kendi gets her energy from anyway, isn't it? So let's look at that this morning. We're in a season, as some of you will know, uh, where we're looking at growing in prayer. And I say, as some of you will know, because this is a funny time of year, isn't it? And we're not all able to be here in person every Sunday or even to catch it online every Sunday. So um, if you've been dipping in and out the last few weeks, or if you're in part of the Staines congregation, you will be hearing this in two weeks' time because we're going to do that there. But um, I do encourage you to catch up online, if you can, with some of these uh, messages because the prayers from the scripture that we've been looking at in the last few weeks and in weeks to come are belters, everyone. I love them. So we're looking at a different prayer from the Bible every week. And um, as I was thinking about the one we're doing today, it reminded me that a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I was babysitting for a friend of mine and her, her little boy. And he would have been about seven or eight, I don't know exactly. And so we'd had the evening getting ready for bed and he's in his pajamas, brushing his teeth. And I'm standing at the bathroom door checking that teeth are indeed being brushed. And uh, chat, 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 like you do. And I said, oh, when we, um, when we get to it, what, what do you think we'll be praying for tonight? What would you like to talk to God about? So he was saying, well, I'd like to say this and I'd like to thank God for that. And so we went through a bit of a list and they were all brilliant ideas and we agreed that God would be very interested in all of them. And then he said to me, what about you, Katie? What can I pray for for you? It's never too soon, never too early to um, introduce people into prayer, a conversation with God. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to learn at a very young age that God is always listening and that whatever we have on our hearts, we can bring to him. I was, as I think many of you have figured out by now, a rather unusual child. And when I talked to God, I did talk about some quite pretentious things. <laughs> so I had a phase when I was about five of praying every night for a piano. I desperately wanted a piano. Every night, my poor mother had to sit there and say, Amen, while I said, please, Lord, can I have a piano? And she would always say, you know, we'd love to have a piano, but the house, you know, we just haven't got room, blah, blah, blah. So we'd had this conversation frequently. And then eventually we moved house. Guess what happened? We got three pianos. <laughs> so much to learn about the generosity of God there and about waiting for the answer. So um, we're looking at growing in prayer. There's something very innocent about those childlike prayers. And there's part of us that I think should always keep that trust that sort of easy conversation, that lovely rapport. And as we go on in life, as we grow in our walk with God, we learn other things as well. And we grow in the conversation that we can have with God. So today, we're going to look at the prayer that Habakkuk prays in the Old Testament. I'm sure Habakkuk is everybody's favorite. Very familiar to all of us, not. I think there's a bit of a game that happens in the church office when they give out the preaching rotor. I think they look for the most obscure ones and those go to Katie. That does tend to happen. We've had this before. Anyway, let's go to uh, the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament and chapter three, and the words will come up on the screen, but you're welcome to follow along if you've got a device or even, I did bring my actual Bible, which I love. Okay, so I'm gonna read Habakkuk chapter three. 
Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Timan, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. Mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains we saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by, the deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Are you still with me? There's more to come. <laughs> Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us. Gloating as they were about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. We're nearly there. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Amen. We're saying amen. Some of us in quite a lot of faith because we're not really sure what's just happened. And that's part of the story. We'll come on to that. Firstly, I want us to think about who is Habakkuk? He just kind of appears and we don't really get much reference to him before or after. Who is Habakkuk? We don't even really know how to say his name. So we've kind of defaulted to saying Habakkuk. But when I was at university, I had a professor who was determined to say Habakkuk. Habakkuk all the time, which I think was just showing off, but he was a Hebrew expert, so we'll give him that. And uh, so whatever his name is, and I don't think he really minds how we say it these days, seeing as he's no longer with us, um, we don't know much about him. We don't really fully understand what's going on in this prayer or in the two chapters that came before. He's got a book in his name, it's three chapters long. There's a lot that's a bit mysterious about this, but even so, he makes it into the Bible. He's here for a reason. His life is important. His prayer matters. His conversation with God has something to teach us today. There is no such thing as an insignificant person. There is no such thing as an insignificant person. Everybody who has ever been conceived anywhere on the planet at any time was completely known and loved by God. God wanted them to be, and they were. 
There is no such thing as an insignificant person in this room. There's no such thing as an insignificant person in your family. There is no such thing as an insignificant person in your workplace, in your school, in your street, in your community, in your supermarket, in your library, wherever you go to spend time. There is no person there who is not completely known and loved by God, and God wanted them to be. The Bible is full of these references to people about whom we know very little, and that's part of the story. That people appear sometimes in our lives, don't they, for a season? We appear in their lives, maybe quite briefly. We don't have masses to do with each other, and yet every interaction is important. God guides our steps. He brings people into our lives. He brings us into other people's lives. I don't know if you've noticed from reading the Bible, but there's quite a lot of sections where we just see these lists of names, these family trees. So-and-so had this child, and they 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 had this child. Like at the beginning of the book of Matthew, various other places as well. And if you're a person who likes to read through a book of the Bible at a time, sometimes those chapters can be a bit of a challenge. You think, oh, here we go. There are lots of reasons why they're there, of course. They help us to place what's happening within a season of time and to think about um, the history that's gone before and what will come next. They remind us that we, are, um, we come after something and before something else, all of us. We don't just appear. There's been something before, there will be something after. And they also remind us, especially those names that we only ever see in those lists and nowhere else, that there is no such thing as an insignificant person. Every single person who receives um, the forgiveness of Christ, who accepts the invitation that God extends to us, who says yes to Jesus, every single one of us is invited into the glorious story that God is telling, has been telling since before time began, will continue to tell through the whole of eternity. Everywhere in the world, God is doing great things, and you are part of it. There is no such thing as an insignificant person. What we do know about Habakkuk is that this prayer in chapter 3 comes at the end, uh, we think the end, I, I suggest it's not the end, I, th I rather think this conversation continues, but the end of what we know to be a conversation between a man and God. And this conversation we've seen a bit of a glimpse of in the previous two chapters, there's a lot of back and forth. Habakkuk has a lot on his mind. He's worried about a lot of things. He's concerned for himself, and he's worried about his people that he lives with, his nation, his community, and he's bringing that to God. He has that combination of things going on that I think might sound a bit familiar to many of us in this particular season, of being concerned about himself, what's going to happen to me, I don't know what to do, and the people around him, the state of the world, Everything just feels so unpredictable. It's just awful. Where is the world going? We often have those feelings, and I'm sure we can argue that at any particular period in history, that's always the case. We do know, don't we, that today, this year, is a really difficult one for many people. So there are individuals and families who are struggling, people in this room, people who we know, who are very concerned about how they're going to eat, what they're going to do for work, how they're going to manage, they're concerned about the health of their, themselves or a family member, lots of big, important things at the same time as thinking, what's going on in the world? Where is the leadership? Where is the vision? Where is the purpose? 
And these are things that Habakkuk also is saying to God, has been saying to God in the previous chapters. And he's been taking them to God quite regularly, and God has been replying. So we've seen the conversation there. It is okay to say. There's a bit of pressure sometimes on us when we're praying to jump straight to the um, bit that we saw at the end of that, I will rejoice in the Lord. It's important to rejoice in the Lord, and we will come to that in a few minutes. It is okay to say that we feel confused, that we have questions, that we're hoping that God will help us to understand something. It's okay to say that we're waiting, just as when I was five, I was waiting for a piano, of all things. It's okay to say to God, I'm waiting for this. I thought you had promised it to me. I haven't seen it yet. What is happening? It's okay to say that. Psalm 23, which is a very popular one with many of us, you'll have um, read it, I'm sure, and heard it and sung it. People have it at funerals and weddings and school assemblies. There's a verse in there, isn't there, that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It doesn't say, I don't have to go through the valley anymore. It doesn't say, you've taken the valley from me. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yet will I fear no evil, for thou art with me. That we live in this tension, don't we, of the confusion and the concern of the burdens that we carry and the worries that we have, the situations that we face, and knowing that God is with us, that there is no such thing as an insignificant person, that he is doing great things, that we are part of his great things. We are, some of us are, each of us are his great things, and we do great things, and we see great things, because God is always with us. Both of these things are true at the same time. That's one of the things that the book of Habakkuk tells us. So how do we do that conversation? How do we talk and listen to God in those times? Well, there are a few different ways that we do that. And I suggest that we do, um, that we think about how we do these and that we regularly kind of check in on ourselves and each other. How are you talking and listening to God at the moment? If you're not already, I highly recommend that you find a way to talk and listen to God when you are alone. You don't have to be physically alone. I'm often on the bus. There are other people on the bus. I mean that it's just you and God. You don't have to only speak to God alone, but it's very special, very precious to be able to have time with God where you are talking to God and you are able to hear back from God. So that would include engaging with the Bible, maybe listening to it as an audio book, reading it, speaking your prayers, uh, thinking your prayers. I often have a bit of a sort of ongoing chat with God. It's a bit of a stream of consciousness. So usually if I'm walking along the road... We're having quite a busy conversation. So you might see me, and maybe I don't see you, and I don't mean to be rude. I'm just very busy in a conversation with God. And I think, you know, maybe it's because I started to know God as a small child. It's often very informal. You'll never guess what's happened. Blah, 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 blah. Chat, 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 chat. As well as perhaps the more formal times. That really does work for me, usually. What I found, though, in lockdown... Strange time as that was. Lockdown three, my circumstances changed quite a lot. I went to stay with somebody else in my family who needed some help, and I changed jobs at the same time. So those are two big changes to have. And I really just found that I wasn't able to keep up this ongoing conversation with God in quite the same way. 
So what I found really helpful in that stage was um, I, where I had started working, they had a pattern of morning prayer where they were using prayers that were already written down, where somebody else had written them, like a liturgy. And so there were prayers for each day of the week. And so I would read those prayers and say them. And it saved, kind of saved me thinking about, well, what am I going to talk about? I can't, I can't get in the zone. The pressure of that helped me rely on words that somebody else had really thought and prayed over. And for me to, as I said them and thought them, to bring them to God and to say, I agree with this. This is a really helpful way to lift up the feelings that I'm having today. So you can dip in and out of lots of different ways to do that. And I encourage you to try them, to speak to other people about that, to compare ideas, um, and also to, to make sure that you're talking and listening to God together. Lots of ways to do this. Um, we recommend in this church that you consider being part of a small group, which is a brilliant way to do life together. There are lots of opportunities to celebrate together, to socialize together, to eat together, to pray together, to grieve together, to grow together, to learn together. And these are brilliant places to bring something of the conversation you're having with God and to say to each other, this is what I'm talking to God about at the moment. Could you join with me as I bring this to God? And to have people stand with you and just to agree with you that this is something that is important in your life and we're bringing it to God together. Um, I am part of a tri-group, which is a prayer triplet, three people who meet. We don't actually meet very frequently. We, we have phases of meeting every month and then it goes for a few months because we're really busy and doing things, so we keep in touch in other ways. But we do pray together and really listen to God for each other together. And we've been doing that for quite a few years, so we've built up a bit of a way of uh, learning about each other and knowing what works for each other. It's a real blessing to have that uh, way to do that. There will be times when you'll want to do something a bit more structured. So that's why um, doing some, something with a plan means that you can cover more stuff and more, um, you can have more experience of God, more encounter with God in different ways than you might if you were just doing your favorite thing all the time, reading your favorite psalms, singing your favorite songs. That doing something a bit more structured where you're following a program can be really helpful, which is why you'll have noticed in this church, usually about once a year, there's, there's um, a curriculum that we encourage, a course that we encourage everybody to do in small groups at pretty much the same time so that we've got something that we're doing in common. If you're interested in doing that through a book study or that sort of program, there are some resources in the corner for you, and I really encourage you to, to look at those. And I also would um, uh, really encourage you to think about stepping into the prophetic. And many of you are doing this without even realizing. So when you're talking and listening to God, you are already having an encounter with the Holy Spirit that has something of the prophetic in it. And it is such a blessing to each other when we can start to speak that out and bring hope and encouragement and direction to each other. Um, when we can do things and pray for people in a way that is beyond our own understanding because we're really listening to the Holy Spirit and we've got into a rhythm and a habit of doing that. So let me tell you about um, a guy who's a, a teacher, a supply teacher. Now, supply teachers, as any teacher will know, have got a hard job because they have to breeze into a classroom not knowing anybody and get completely pranked for at least the first morning, if not for longer, while everybody settles in and gets to know them. And then they've got to try and keep people on track and do at least some work until the regular teacher comes back. And this particular supply teacher was really, really good at his job. And he was a Christian. And so what he used to do is he would set some work and everybody would be sitting doing their work and he would walk around the classroom quietly. And without anybody knowing, 
he would just pray silently for each child that he passed. So it wasn't going to work. It wasn't appropriate in the school where he was for him to talk to the children directly about Jesus within that particular lesson. So instead, he would think, well, I've brought the Holy Spirit with me. So we're just going to have a chat about these children. And he would walk around and he would say very quietly within his own mind, bless Shana's Lord and her family. I hope she please help her go home to a safe and welcoming home this evening. And then he would pray for the next one. And thank you for Billy. Thank you for all he's learning at the moment and his excitement. May this joy increase. So just very quietly on his breath. And he was doing this and he got to one and he stopped and he said, right, Lord, I bring before you Thomas, let's say. And God said to him, no one has ever mentioned this one to me before. No one has ever mentioned this one to me before. Imagine the power that we carry within us as people who bear the Holy Spirit, the power that it is to pray over someone without them even knowing and to have God speak to us about them like that. And so for the first time that day, somebody named this child before God. God already knew about this child because there is no such thing as an insignificant person. But no one had yet started a conversation with God about this child. Kendi encouraged us earlier um, to be bold, to not be fearful. I think I would say, if you're thinking of stepping into this silent prayer, <laughs> is probably the thing we can be least fearful about. Nobody's going to know you're doing it. You can just walk along the street, you can walk through a shop, through your office, in your family, silently pray for the people that you pass, and who knows what you are depositing in them? Who knows what God is doing? Who knows what blessing God wants to pour out on that person on that day? Turning to the actual words in Habakkuk 3, there are a few things I want us to look at here in the scripture that are very common to the ways that we see prayers in the Bible and that I just want to encourage us to adopt in our own prayer life. Habakkuk, quite early on in chapter 3, verse 3, um, he starts with who God is. Start with who God is. He starts to name some of the things that uh, are important about God. I would always encourage us when we're praying, before we launch into our lists of things, and please may I have a piano, um, before we get to that, start with naming something wonderful about God. We will never run out of choices for what to say that is wonderful about God. There are many, many things that we can say. If you remember when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Name the goodness of God right at the top. Habakkuk says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. He's got some things to say about the wonder and the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God. He already knows those things and he names them up front. He doesn't need to tell God those things about himself for God's sake because God already knows those things about himself. We name them because it reminds us how wonderful God is. It reminds us of the goodness of God. It reminds us that this is not, this is more than a conversation with somebody bringing a shopping list. This is not a letter to Father Christmas. This is a conversation with the living God. Yeah. 
the creator of the earth, the, uh, the savior of the world, the king of kings and the lord of lords. There is no one anywhere like God in all the earth, completely beyond compare. We remind ourselves and we speak into being the truth of who God is right at the beginning of our prayer. And Habakkuk also wraps that round in verse 2 with, remember what God has done. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In both of these sections, where he's talking about um, God's splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. And in this bit where he says, I've heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds. Habakkuk is reminding himself of the goodness of God. He's using stories and images that he has learnt. He's going back over uh, the things that have been said and taught and learnt before about God. He's naming the track record of God, the way that God always comes through, the wonderful things that God has done. He's remembering the stories. What are your stories? What do you remind yourself of about the goodness of God, about God's provision? God's healing, God's protection, God's direction and purpose in your life. What are our stories? What are we encouraging each other with? What do you remind your friends of, the people in your small group, the people you pray with? What do you encourage them with that God has done in their lives? In my uh, tri-group, the prayer triplet that I've been in for a long time, because we've been together for such a long time, often one of us will say, I'm praying about this at the moment, and the others will smile and nod which means we've been here before. <laughs> this is an ongoing conversation. We know about this one. And we remind each other God has always come through, always. And we remind each other of the answers to prayer that we've had. Amazing, amazing things that now we've got a bit of a shorthand for because we've been praying together for so long. It's easy to remember. It's, sometimes it's easier to remember somebody else's than it is your own when you're in it. I, would, I really encourage you to remember that if you are a sister and brother in Christ to somebody, part of your job is to remember the goodness of God in their lives and to tell them their story back to themselves when they have forgotten. Amen. When they are forgetting because life is really hard, that God has never failed them, that God has always been there for them. When they are trying very hard to trust and to hold on, when they want to push through, and they just need some encouragement, why don't you encourage them with the things that God has already done in their lives, the answers to prayer that you and they have seen together as you've prayed together in your group, in your prayer triplet, in your family, wherever it is that you're praying. Where is Jesus in our conversation and in our memories? How do we remind ourselves of the wonderful things that Jesus did and said? The stories he told, the miracles he performed, the amazing teachings that he brought. We should be, I would suggest, encouraging each other all the time and remembering in each conversation. Isn't that just like when Jesus said this? A few weeks ago, I was working with some people who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and um, we were organizing a meeting, and as we were chatting about it, we said, oh, what if no one comes? <laughs> what are we going to do if nobody comes to this meeting? And uh, I think we all had the same memory at the, sa at the same time of a story that Jesus tells about somebody that organized a party and invited loads of people. And then on the day, everybody rang up. Well, not rang up because it was 2,000 years ago. But, you know, they got in touch. 
they sent a pigeon or whatever they did. They sent a, a slave boy and said, I can't come, actually. Something's happened, can't come. And so in this story, the person said, well, I'm still having the party. So um, they went out and they found people and they went to the, there's a version of the Bible that says they went into the highways and byways and invited other people to come, people who would not otherwise have been invited, people who would have been left out. And there are lots of things in that story that are very important. But on this particular day, this group of people, we all looked at each other and said, what if nobody comes highways and byways? Because we all remembered the story, we'll just go out and find people. We are quite geeky, but I would suggest that there are worse things to be nerdy about than the teachings of Jesus. So <laughs> if that's what works for you, do it. Let's remind each other of the things that have happened in our own lives, in this church, in the communities of prayer and faith where we belong, in the scripture, from Jesus, from the books that we've read of people that have gone before, wonderful people that have served God and seen amazing um, provision, amazing testimony. Tell the stories back to each other. Habakkuk does this. He goes through a load of stuff. This is where I kept pausing to say, hang in there, because the things he says sound a bit confusing to us. They're not stories with which we are familiar. We don't know what he means exactly when he talks about the rivers and the streams and the heavens and with his own spear you pierced his head. He's referring to things that he knows about and has learned and people have been talking to each other about when they have reminded each other of the goodness of God. We don't have his shorthand, we have our own. We have our stories. We have the scripture, we have the teachings of Jesus, we have our memories and things that we can remind each other of. And going through this journey is what helps Habakkuk to reach the stage eventually where he starts to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The Bible tells us again and again that joy comes in the morning. We will go through dark times and difficult uh, questioning periods and times of confusion and concern. Joy is always coming. We see that in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, as an ongoing theme. We see it vividly enacted as the most glorious promise of life when Jesus rises from the dead. The resurrection means that joy is coming. The difficulties that we are in are not the end. There is something better that God has for us. God is taking us somewhere good. He's taking us somewhere good right here, right now, and he has more to come in this life and beyond. There is always more. God is taking us somewhere good. We can rejoice in the Lord. Even though Habakkuk was in a time of lack, of wanting, of not having the things he needed, he had the faith to say, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Again, feet of a deer is not something I, need, I pray for frequently, but it works for him where he lived in that time. That was something that was saying, I can do this. I can keep going. I can run even though I thought I couldn't even walk. I have a feeling that for Habakkuk, this isn't actually the end of the conversation. It's the end of the book as we see it. The story stops here and we move on to another one. But our conversations with God carry on. 
when we pray, we bring something to God, often we get an answer to, pr to prayer, but that then we carry on, and there's more, and there's more. What's your conversation today? What are you asking God about? What are you thanking God for? Are you celebrating his goodness? Are you worried about something? Are you doing both? <laughs>